1: idea of all time it's the worst idea of all time it's the worst idea of all time Oh baby oh mama that was very nearly an absolute disaster oh, could have been
2: pretty bad. Hey dude hey dude ladies and gentlemen welcome to the worst idea of all time episode
1: number forty three three is it or four no, Who, it's definitely not four. Hey, who's tallying this?
2: Um, but uh, it is also um, episode in total, number 100. Yeah. Go us. This is, well, it's <laughs> the 100th thing that we've released on the stream, on the, um, on
1: the feed. That's the, how you uh, measure it, though. Yeah, isn't it? That's how you tally it. So 100 <laughs> deep. How about that? Doesn't feel that good.
2: No, it certainly doesn't. I feel like I've been uh, beaten into a bloody pulp mentally, a bloody mental pulp. I'm imagining a brain just like smashed on the concrete, just bleeding out. some pink mess with his blood just going to the drain. Pretty dark, Tim. <laughs> That's how I feel at the moment. It's bad. I just couldn't each time. Yeah. I kind of came to and realized the movie was still going. I was just shocked because it, was, it felt like it was about six hours today. That it, was in real like emotional terms. That's how long the film took to run. That's
1: it. true. At the very top of this episode, we should uh, flag that we didn't pay the movie the most attention. But, but not would, in the regular like normally yeah. when we've done that in the past and we've had to penalise ourselves or whatever, we haven't been present. But we were like it was on and we were there and we were in front of it and we were looking. At I it. would argue, I would argue that it is scientifically, and I don't think this is just us. I think it would be impossible for any person to sit down. And watch that movie from start to finish and yeah. be completely absorbed in the story and not have a... like. It's fucked up, man. The whole way. It's I think really it is, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an impossibility and one that we're confronted with every week. I'm just going to have to hit pause real quick on this and say
2: uh, a, a big fat thank you to our sponsor of this episode, which is Big Pipe Internet. Um, if you're in New Zealand, you should be using Big Pipe because they don't have contracts or data caps, but we do now in our merch store. <laughs> that's right. How good is that? Um, they didn't want it in their business plan. We said. I don't know if that's true. I think if we went to them and we said, hey, Big Pipe, we've thought of this amazing joke. You know how you don't do data caps? You should start producing caps that have the word data on them. I think they would have taken that and run with it. <laughs> but we didn't even offer
1: it to them because it was too good. We'll never know. Find these, keep these. Um, well, so I feel like if you know if the business brands itself is not having data caps for them, To then, that's then, true to then start distributing data caps is yeah, very.
2: You're right. That's on. We've got to do it. Contrarian. Yeah.
1: So we've got the data caps. They don't have them. Um, they that's right. a Contract. It's actually a burden. It's our responsibility now. All of the data caps that internet providers, yeah. like the wonderful big pipe, have uh, no longer imposed. Mm. We take a we take a physical cap for every for every data cap released. It's a weird system. Uh, it's, a, it's an agreement I, I'm, not, I'm not hugely excited to be a part of. But it's like when fairies die and you've got to clap to bring
2: them back to life. It's that whole thing. When does, it, when does that happen? When does a fairy die? If you say that they're not real. If you say you don't believe in them.
1: Really? Yeah. Every time you say a fairy isn't real, one of them dies. Oh, you better bloody <coughs> pucky pucky, mate. And what happens if you,
2: if you clap? Well, I think because like the way that it's been depicted on film, in particular, I'm referencing... uh Hook. Dustin Hoffman's hook uh, Robin Williams Was is Julia t- Roberts Tinkerbell in that? I think she was And she starts to fade When when someone mentions That um, fairies aren't real And so when The fairy fades That's when you clap And you bring them back to life It's kind of like a um, Resus It's like a, the paddles You know The defibrillator Us the, clapping The applause is, Yeah that's what, what, I, what like um, for fairies
1: That is a Biological fault That is absolutely I mean you could destroy Legions of fairies yeah just by chanting do
2: you do you know what it is? Maybe fairies were around before us, and like no animal had language, they couldn't construct out loud the idea that fairies might not be real, and so they didn't have a natural predator.
1: in fact, if anything, they were impenetrable because all the the applause would just empower them more. yeah all animals could do was applaud, but they
2: could never say fairies aren't real. I
1: feel like it's a metaphor for an argument as old as time, which is uh what is more powerful between applause and chanting. I mean, you know, I think there was in the book of Genesis the snake said The person who answers this question one will have an always powerful tongue. You know, Did wasn't... you say applause and
2: cheering or applause and chanting?
1: Chanting. Chant
2: yeah. I'm gonna Oh, I'm uh, gonna go with chanting actually. Why? Because there's so much uh the human voice is more powerful than it's just you know when you're like you get into that zone. The chanting zone. Yeah, yeah, the chanting zone. To you really ch- tap into shit. You get a little bit when you're cheering for something,
1: but yeah, not as very, much. it's a very primal thing, yeah, chanting, isn't it? You really tap into some, the, uh, some the, deep stuff. The char- the it's always Sunny and Philadelphia crew very good at chanting. Yeah. And that's like the most primal that characters get, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, this
2: show, um, would like to remind you to watch F is for Family, Bill Burr's new animated series on Netflix. No one paid us to it's say that. paid read. We just thought it would be a good idea to tell you because um, Bill Burr's the shit and he's, he's got his own cartoon show now. And we can say cartoon because guess what? No one's provided us with copy pointers because they're not paying us to say it. So we'll call it whatever we want. F is for Family.
1: Is cartoon a derogatory word to animators?
2: I think it is now. Yeah.
1: That seems silly. Anyhow, look. Cartoons are for kids. The thing with Sex and the City 2 is, as I was saying, we struggled to focus entirely throughout it. And we had, like, I haven't really seen Tim for the week. So it was sort of we, we, frankly, to be honest with you, dear listener, we took the first half hour of the movie as an opportunity to catch up. Mm. Um, You know, it it was like we were catching up and at the table next to us. uh, The gals were also catching up. Uh, And we We were just sitting in the cafe with
2: them at a parallel table and they were nattering
1: away. That's right. Those are some pretty abrasive characters with not very interesting lives. It's probably best to just leave them be. Uh, And then when eventually there was like a a natural lull or break in conversation and we turned back to the movie, it was like barely any time, they were still at the wedding or something insane like that. Like barely any time had, had passed. And it sort of felt like it could have been going forever. I feel like we've been in this room for days. Yeah, quite likely,
2: the way I feel at the moment. It's so mm. weird, isn't it? so weird that a movie can make you feel like it's held you prisoner for as long as held you captive. this one has been. It's bloody madness. Um, so, I don't know what to say about the film, really. I want to express that Magda probably hasn't had the the old worst idea, treatment as much as she's deserved through her
1: performances. She turns in uh, a tour de force week in, week out. Now, Magda... Just, God
2: bless her soul. Just to remind you folks who haven't seen the film over three dozen times, she is the housemaid who works for Miranda and Steve at the house, and very weird. She gives the the best barreling the camera moment at the science um, prize giving the, at Brady frankly, school.
1: The only bowing the camera moment at the price giving at Brady. Someone told score.
2: me there's another one, but I'm sure we would have seen it by now.
1: You'd think so, although there's a lot of people on camera at different points. Yeah, but we've one seen of them the so much. At one point, I thought Brady almost did it in the coffee shop. He looked very close to camera, but he was actually looking to his mum because uh, he was bored. Nah, but she was uh, talking talking with the gals about maybe potentially going to Abu Dhabi, and she said yes actually in the end. She said that she would go to Abu Dhabi, and then. All of them, all four of them. So it was uh, this: Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, Miranda. All They all go on holiday to Abu Dhabi and they fly in this wonderful jet plane. It's beautiful. It's lavish. They they, they pretty much sleep in office cubicles, but they've been sort of uh, kitted out with, with gold trim, sort of uh, not paunchy, but soft looking furniture. And they get to Abu Dhabi and the, it's different. It's different from New York, but people everywhere are people. People are the same, and they like they learn. They learn some lessons, and ah, oh. give it up, yeah, yeah. And then eventually they get kicked out of the country mm-hmm. because Miranda, um, she she went into a peep show and she watched uh, a man fuck a sheep. No, yeah. No. And it was a sting operation set up by the uh the coppers, the bloody coppers and uh they got or well, they all got deported because uh, Miranda was periscoping it and the girls were watching it by the pool.
2: Your minds drifted. It's not It's not this one. It's a different one.
1: No, I think the one I'm talking about <laughs> is what I just watched. I don't think it is.
2: Your brain's trying to create an escape for itself.
1: <laughs> I feel What's happening there? When you talk it feels like um You're inflatable, like you're an inflatable pool toy or something. And when you talk, it's like the air is just being released. Sort of like it's, it's, uh, it looks to look at you while you speak, it looks physically draining.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a fair summation.
1: Hey, but let's talk about Magda. B, let's talk about Magda. Seriously. My theory, you want to hear it? I'll give it to you. Magda was the first artificial intelligence bot or like Android off the assembly line. USSR Russian, 68. Uh, it was sort of like a side source from the great space race as they started putting a lot of uh, time and money into researching artificial intelligence in human models and... Uh, they turned her on before she was ready and she wandered off the off the plant and off the property. Uh, and got on a boat and moved to New York. It's like Chappie. Mm. And she wasn't really I haven't seen Chappie. But she wasn't so I can't speak to the similarities or differences, but she couldn't she was she was programmed obviously to go in and infiltrate yeah. and relay Intel back to um back to the USSR, but she was set to instead of being set to international, which is for when you go off your own country into different mm. to research different places. She said a domestic, uh, and the domestic setting made her domesticated.
2: Oh no! So they really fucked the code. Yeah,
1: the whole thing. Well, I mean, it was the first one. It was a prototype. It wasn't fit for for the public.
2: So the 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 AI that's running that shell of a woman um, misinterpreted what domestic meant yeah. instead of meaning like uh, local, intranational. Mm. It interpreted mm. it as being home-based tasks and chores, vis-a-vis a very language. It's a very
1: simple language oversight, but you've got to remember, yeah. this is 1968. They didn't have Google Translate. She's just a two-bit English, the English language Russian was bot outlawed in the USSR, as we all know.
2: Now, I can't agree with you. I think I don't think I don't think <laughs> okay. she's robot. I think she's a spy from the USSR, from the old Soviet Union.
1: It's a regular old human being. Yeah. Something's happened what to was her. her what was her mission what was her mission statement?
2: I think she was just out there, like uh, all the spies were, just to find out about the West and where they're up to with everything. Because you wouldn't build an Android that looked that old, would you?
1: Uh, no, you would. Why? No one would. No one would suspect that. Obviously, it would be pretty suspicious when the when the bot wasn't aging. Uh, no, but okay. Here, No, because here it is. Is she's gr- she's grown like a h- human. They just uh, model. They modelled the the programming on a real life human being. So when she was uh walked off the factory plant, she was a baby. No, nah, Sixty nine, she, a- she was like you know teenager.
2: Right, sixty nine to two thousand and when's the 10 So we're talking forty one years. Wait, fifty one. Forty one. Forty one years. So forty-one years, she's a teenager. See, she looks too old. Here's what she I even reckon: twenty. So if you were going to be a spy, right, you would want access to high-level meetings and people, and no one's going to invite an old woman to some, you know, bureaucrat party where all the presidents are hanging out. It's the swinging sixties. They- you want you want your JFKs and stuff. You want to look like a a foxy early twenty-year-old. You don't want an aging
1: bot. Yes, people want conversation. That's what people like.
2: But if the robot's not even smart enough to determine that domestic means stay within the country rather than do like, a bunch of dishes... You're dealing
1: with a lot of world leaders, a lot of egos, they just want a sounding board so that they can talk about themselves. And uh, that was the, that. was what they wrote, and that's what... You reckon that's what
2: Magda's up to?
1: Well, it would have been had it not been for the domestic snafu. Uh, a, a, didn't really make it along to a lot of those soirees.
2: There's a competing third theory about Magda... Um, And the evidence I bring to the fore is that she insists that Miranda have some breakfast before she goes out for the day. And I reckon maybe the food's been tampered with slightly and Magda's got advanced insider knowledge of Brady's future and um, she is feeding Miranda with rat poison incrementally to build up her tolerance for it.
1: Ah, so like she's working in conjunction with Brady... Uh, secretly from Miranda, and they. I all, don't like... know
2: if she's on Brady's side. I think there's some external force.
1: Wow, that is a. And what what is Miranda's value in this situation? Why is she being?
2: I think Miranda is a hell of an asset, being the mother of the future Rat King, because she kind of knows his weaknesses and stuff. So it's very important that she gets kept around. Like, so like, crust were... left
1: on, crust left on is a big Brady weakness.
2: Yeah, there you go. So like, if you were um a. Uh, you're an actor in this war and you wanted to take down Brady, you would think probably the way to do it would be like a mass distribution of rat poison because it's, it's going to kill all the rats instantly and try to get to Brady that way. But if you can kind of just like blanket the house with rat poison, but you know Miranda's going to survive. So just in case Brady survives, you've still got this key intelligence asset on how to take him down later. Yeah. You know, she's a very valuable asset
1: i I understand that so Brady is um in spite of his sort of maniacal uh plans for global domination he's also still vulnerable to the fact he's a you know an eight year old boy yeah uh and he does he needs that support and um sort of boost leg up from from mum
2: It's not even that the absence of a mother figure would be the weakness itself it's that Miranda would know what the weakness is the crust, are, sort of the, the crust the crust sort of thing. of the issue
1: or the bread in this circumstance,
2: good point it you leads should see Steve him. a bit up in the year as well in this diagram, this cold war, as to where well, he kind is, of slots I in. think
1: this is why it's so fascinating is it's that the, they're all working across purposes, but I mean that house is just a hive of activity. It really is I mean you've got someone running for mayor while launching a um, interstate you know reformed spelling bee. And packaging that and trying to get that sold to NBC for that six thirty Tuesday slot, which has been a huge weak point in the NBC slate of shows, I think since since '78 when they took off. Um, well, they took off the original Spelling Bee, which was a bee that could spell. Anyway, I mean, what I'm saying is, it's, there's a lot of action happening in that in that part of New York City, and uh, it almost seems like you know after that linen-skinned plane crash. You shouldn't have that many people living in one place. They have to fly on separate planes. Although the fact that they're all doing their, their biddings in secret means that... Do
2: you I think, think they... the Leonard Skinner incident is like the first time that they figured out that you shouldn't put all your eggs into one basket?
1: I've read the history books. I know what I'm talking about.
2: Like up until then, it d- wasn't even a concept that was around.
1: No. No one had thought about it. That was the first plane crash on record.
2: It's amazing. Because I know nowadays, like, um, they never fly the president and the vice president in the same plane. And it's just incredible to remember that the reason why is a bunch of rednecks who wrote a they couple, well, wow, one good tune.
1: They wrote more than one good tune.
2: <laughs> Free Bird's pretty good as well, actually, I'll go from that.
1: Sweet Home Alabama is done.
2: Yeah, I know. That's the, that's like. Was that, the good, was that the That's good tune, though? Yeah. It's not, yeah. Free Bird's bloody good, too, though. Yes,
1: it's difficult, because when it came out, I'll tell you what, I reckon if I would, had been alive when Sweet Home Alabama came out, yeah. fuck, I would have been getting down. Oh, of course, it's a bloody tune. But trend. now it's just, it has been just devastated. I think the fact that uh, the sample of it features in Werewolves of London, which I was in Grown Ups too. But They're, wait a
2: minute, which way around does that go? Werewolves of, wonder, of London...
1: I feel like it's samples. sweet Home Alabama's got to be first.
2: You would think so, eh? You'd definitely First over so, the yeah. line. Yeah.
1: The fact we... I don't know the name of the band who, or artist who sings Worlds of London speaks to that. Because if that was the first one, surely you'd know that artist. Look! You would hope we would. <laughs> Couple of boys doing anything they can to avoid talking about sex in the city too. So You've there's stumbled Magda. in on us.
2: There's Magda. There she is. We'll put her on the shelf. She's done for a bit. I had a shining <laughs> light this week. Trying to remember what it was. The
1: Characters in these movies play things to be picked up and discussed and yes, then put are. back.
2: Yes, they are. Um, what was my shining light? I got you to write it down.
1: Uh it was oh, it's Big. a look. It was Big's acting. A look from Big. Pastor Chris North channeling his, his character of Mr. Big.
2: Yeah. During during the bedroom. What bit was that?
1: Uh it's when they're having an argument. And uh, in the middle of it, when there hasn't <laughs> oh, e- even yes. been a
2: resolution. Oh yeah. Okay. So the the argument's really been ramping up between he and Carrie, and uh, and Carrie's really given it to him verbally, saying, you know, you know, you're being a dick. Stop being a dick. <laughs> and he just looks past, like with minimal physical movement of his head, just looks past her to get back to the eye line of the TV. there's something (laughs) sensationally brutal about that. So it's funny when you can have a massive effect with very little output and like he only used a few jewels just to move his neck muscles a tiny bit. But what it said to Carrie is this conversation is completely meaningless to me. And I just want to get back to deadliest catch. I won't even entertain the fact that you're angry with me with some sort of placating response. I just got to get back to this enormous (laughs) fish. Did you not hear the teaser in the air? This is the most dangerous situation they've been in in the seven seasons of filming. I can't miss this.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: I can definitely miss what you're talking about because I'm sure this conversation is going to happen again tomorrow (laughs) as it did yesterday and the day prior. But right now, I just need to see this catfish. That's all I need to see. And he communicates that solely with just a bloody jerk of the head, a minimal jerk of the head.
1: Just for clarity, the motivation was exactly as Tim described it, but the terms, some of them are a bit confusing now as as we record this in 2015. Uh, Catfish was, of course, the actual species catfish and not the internet Trickery. And mm. uh, the reason he had to watch it so urgently is there weren't any good streaming platforms, and so if he did miss that episode... Uh, he'd, he'd fall back on fish the... Fish pun, love it. He'd fall back on the... you know He'd be one short in the canon of Deadliest Catch episodes.
2: And you just couldn't take that chance back in the day because Netflix wasn't around. So if you missed an episode of Tally you didn't have your DVR set, you were fucked. There's no way to get back back up on... involved with it.
1: Um, yeah, you, you've gravitated that moment a few times. I would put it to you that... Um, Pastor Chris Noweth is a – he's like – he's just a very direct guy and accordingly I think he misses a few social cues because he's, he's a TV addict. When he's um, when he's trying to talk, talk himself out of having to go to uh, the movie premiere with Carrie, mm. she says – no, what happens? He, he doesn't want to go to the movie premiere and then she's like, okay, I'll go with Stanford. And then he just immediately picks up the remote and turns the TV on. It's like, that's just so antagonistic. You know you're going to get called up on that.
2: All he needed to do to be smooth sailing on that was wait about a second and a half yeah. before picking just up got the greedy. remote control. He, and he goes didn't. to
1: the movie premiere. I mean, they start having these huge relationship problems, which just keep servicing week after week. In fact, we've, we've plotted it today perfectly. The moment at which the movie goes from being just a bad movie to actually unbearable to be in a room with. Is when it's the anniversary dinner between Big and Carrie. Yeah, because up until then you've been
2: hit with got a big gay wedding. We've got a lot of people dressed up. We've got a lot of colour. We've got a lot of life. We've got Liza Minnelli. We got songs and dances and people making gay jokes for whatever it's worth. At
1: least that kind of keeps you engaged with the film. And then, but you go back to New York and it's all sort of just char- It's just fun character stuff. Like oh, I mean, Charlotte takes charge of it. Not Charlotte. Sorry, Miranda takes charge of her career. Charlotte's a little bit worried about the nanny. Uh, and Samantha's just being Samantha, creaming it. Fuck, she's good. And Charlotte really fucked me off this week. Her
2: response to um, the nanny's buzies yeah. getting uh, whetted while she was in a white top by her kid. Because there's the scene where Runkle's bathing the baby with the nanny, which, you know, I never really thought about it before, but that's kind of a weird, slightly weird scenario. I guess Charlotte had shit to do. That happens. So Runkle's in there with the nanny. Cupcakes to make. Yeah. Got to make them cupcakes. And um, yeah, her top gets wet and uh, they'll have a giggle about it. And the baby's loving it. Rose? Rosa. You keep saying Rosa, it's just Rose. Because they're both flowers, Rose and Lily. Rosa. So Rose is giggling, Runkle's laughing, um, the nanny is also giggling away. And Charlotte just appears in the doorway and sees the scene unfold and looks fucking horrified. sort of terrifying and terrified spectre? Puritanical, ethereal being who just appears at the doorway, gets outraged and then fucks off and then harbours that resentment for the whole rest of the movie as some sort of half-attempted-a-C plot designed to (laughs) keep us in our seats. Look,
1: what I'm saying is the movie until the anniversary dinner is... It's not good, but it's watchable and it's not grating to be around. Yeah, but then it's when they start dealing with... like when they introduce conflict, like real central conflict to the movie, it just becomes so grating because none of the conflict is... It's meaningful. It's just all trivial, bougie, bloody, live and levita Loca in New York City crap. It's dumb stuff. It's dumb, unrelatable well, it's nice, stuff. Like, it's, it's nice to know that to have finally figured out the moment where it goes from just a bad thing to be doing to just like literally unwatchable. Guy, can I scientifically um, unwatchable? What I'd like to do at this juncture. University of New South Wales, two thousand and eight, uh, before the movie was released. Is I'd just like to read out um, as
2: a shout out some people who have donated money to ourselves. I was going to say cause I can't use that kind of grandiose language with what we're doing. But um, if you go to West idea of all time dot com and you click on the merch button, or you or you just go West idea of all time dot com slash merch, it'll take you to a page where um, up the top there's a PayPal button where you can just flick us a dollar. Or however many dollars you want. Some people flick us $50, which I find outrageous and very heartening. So thank you so much. And uh, you can also buy merchandise there, like T-shirts
1: and data caps and posters. You can buy uh, the original album cover for the 17-piece Kinks ska cover band, Intergalactic Glory Hole. Uh, led by none other than Mr. Big. Yeah. Uh, and you could also
2: buy the, the... Joined by fan favorite Tyrone Wishbone. Fishbone. Wishbone. If
1: you like the name so much, you should know it. Uh, and uh, the poster of the Grown Ups 2 Drinking Game Rules. It's all there. It's all there. So uh, the donations that have
2: come through, are firstly, from Patrick Sessions, who added a note saying, Think of this as recompense for pain and suffering for my continued entertainment. Thank you, Patrick. Um, this episode certainly serves as a testament to that, I
1: think, because it sucked. Kyle this Mc- is a fine conversation between. No, sorry, I mean the watch.
2: Precocious young minds. I just mean the watch of it. I don't mean the episode. Chill out. Kyle McKenzie says, Tim and guy, thank you so much for the hours of entertainment you've provided. You have no idea how big a part of my life the podcast has become. Kyle,
1: truly, thank you. You have no idea how. Thank you for the money. A bigger part of that uh, message of support you you've become. Uh, we've printed that out and." In- an A0, and it's, it's up on the walls here. So it's, it's, it's huge. It takes up the entire studio. Yeah. It's massive.
2: Carol, um, now, the pronunciation of her surname, it's thrown me. Um, Just to have a God's honest go of it. And and move d- on. Andredzes. Andredzes. Uh No message there, but thank you so much, Carol, for <laughs> flicking some money our way. Uh, Lily Reed. <laughs> Has said, to my boys, to my Guy, I don't know what to say. I'm drunk and alone on a Friday night. I'm listening to Warren and Stevenson and crying my eyes out from laughter. The last six months have been shitty for me, but your ridiculous podcast has been a small shining light. Uh, I know you'll be happy when you finish, but I'll be a little sad. You inspire me to live every moment, love every day. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lily.
1: Wow, Lily. That was a a touching touching
2: message. Don't let my soberingly um, mono... How, what's the adjective Mono, for monotone? Syllabic? No, what's the... Like, how do you make monotone... Monotonous. Monotonous, Mono- that is, yeah. Don't let the lack of emotion in my voice fool you, Lily. That's a dope fucking message, and thank you. you Tim's
1: won. straight up welling from every pore right now. The boy Disgusting. is crying and sweating up a storm. Ooh. He is sodden. And lastly... It looks like he's walked in from the ocean. Catherine S. Maslin. He's got gills and fins. Catherine the says, boy is a fish.
2: I can't, I can't tell you what to do. Fish,
1: with, fish, a talking fish.
2: With my donation. But Tim, maybe you'll put this towards the credit card bill situation you mentioned on the show. <laughs> my bad. Where do uh, you wear
1: your on your sleeve?
2: It continues. I worry about you. Anyway, do whatever you want. Thanks for everything. You guys are the best. I think You're that's the a, best, Catherine. I think that's a
1: great message. Uh, thank you to thank you to all of those people. And anyone who's bought the merch, please... Uh, when you get it, let us know either through Twitter or the Facebook because it's yeah we're still sent it, us a photo and it looks very,
2: fucking awesome, very exciting and novel for us. The t-shirts look so cool, and we give the artists who came up with the designs twenty percent of whatever we make as well because it seems fair. It's hard to it's hard to say. I think that's fair. I don't know what the cut up should be, but twenty seems, percent seems look in the mix. We're not here
1: to talk business. Well, we are here to talk business. Actually, we're here to talk no, about a pretty down. big business idea. Uh, it's It's been propositioned in a, in a leather bound book, dusty, covered in cobwebs because it's uh, still got its Halloween decorations left on it, found in a sort of a fishbowl without any sort of keyboards or mouse, no touchscreens. It's Mr. Big's big book of ideas. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry. Why
2: did you feel the need to point out that there? Why have you got a measuring tape that you're just mucking around with,
1: too? People are going to be wondering many, what that Too many questions from you, not enough ideas.
2: Well, I just want to know, like, why do you have to <laughs> The specify... noise is the spirit of Brady. When is a fishbowl accompanied generally by a keyboard and mouse? Um, an office. The, uh, correct. correct. Nice, me- you nailed it. <laughs> now, let's talk about the measuring tape. Um, stop playing with it, because it's odd. It's freaking me out. It's coming very close to my you face. You once just played with a knife for a whole episode, and you're yeah. telling me I can't... Toy around with it. tape measure. Another fine point, Mr. Montgomery. (laughs) Point conceded. You're fucking
1: with the best boy. Now tell me, for the love of God, (laughs) what Mr. Big is plotting.
2: It's a business idea, as you said, and it's a beautiful business idea, which involves the same technology that's used for retractable measuring tapes, (laughs) but applied to knives. So you can hide a bunch of knives inside of something that's essentially the size of a deck of cards. Semi-flexible materials, the metal that the daggers are made out of, um, but very, very sharp, very hard to dull. So
1: these are not like novelty; those magic knives, which there's look- nothing novelty about
2: <laughs> about this retractable knife device, so- not at all. And it's not so you see how tape measure works, where it's one continuous item. It's like multiple knives instead. So you take them, you take them all out. You can put them all back in. But it, if you take them all out from a, something that's about the size of a deck of cards. You two dozen knives. Two dozen flexible s- metal knives. Very sharp. Card sized. Yeah.
1: Sounds like a pretty, uh pretty, It's all, is it impressive what they've built here? It's, so. it's like unlikely. Eh? It's pretty, it's a pretty, pretty, it's a feat of engineering. Sure it is. It's a premium product. I mean, the, we've seen the price plans and they are through the roof. It's a subscription service too. It's uh, it's a, you pre- got to sign up <laughs> to be involved. You can't just
2: buy it. Yeah. You got to be in the program. Because they provide you with training, yeah, and
1: certification, and and to get into the program, first of all, what will happen is you'll you'll be given, uh, you know, uh, several sets of the, the knives to then sell, and if, for every set of knives you sell, uh, you'll get a you'll get a percentage of the, you know, it's a fair business, twenty percent, I think that's fair. Yeah. So what we've kind of recommended to
2: people is that they get uh, friends and family on board first. Yeah. People sort of throw some knife parties, which are always fun. And um, just really, yeah, try and pique people's interest with that. Let them see the device, touch the device, muck around with the knives a bit. And you say, look, um, we've got a package. We can start you off. $5,000 is the only outlay we're looking for at the initial. And then you've, you, you're you a small business owner. Guess what? Welcome to the club, club entrepreneurship.
1: That's right. So uh, it's, it's it's frankly, of all of the business propositions he's written in that crazy book of his, one of the strongest. I, for one, am very excited to be involved Um. I, you know, I've I've made, and this isn't even a paid for testimonial. This is just me talking here. Mm. This, is, this is like the F for family plug. I mean, in, made the, in the last two weeks from selling these knives, I I've made over six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars, just on you co- personally, just on commission.
2: That's huge. That's huge. So come
1: on, call us, join the knife party. Yeah, and uh, get on board. Yeah, if you are interested, send us an email. It bigs knives are big. <laughs> just kidding. They're little at knives.com. Um, I guess that Sorry, I think I stumbled over my You got something in your throat <coughs> Something <coughs> Scoop Scoop Scoob-a-de-ball. Scoop Scoob-a-de-ball. Well, he bit all the he-dogs and looked at all the she-dogs And the crowd never knew such a hullabaloo
2: What's he doing? Why what is he, scat- he doing again? That's the question We ask it every week We've still yet to definitively find out the answer but we'll keep looking till the day we cark it at the hands of Mr. Bigs Knives.
1: Is there an answer? Or is it? does he just represent a parallel universe with each, each watch? I mean, the thing about Coffee Guy
2: is that he represents the best and worst in all of us. So he's sort of like just pure potential. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He's a blank canvas that we project ourselves onto. And... The only thing that we know about humanity is that it loves coffee. doesn't matter. we are. from
1: it the Java,
2: in our, in our native New Zealand to uh,
1: Kenya. We all remember the Chicago, the famous London. Greg's coffee campaign with uh, Borat.
2: Love it the Java I don't remember that. Did no? he do it really? Did he do a campaign for instant coffee?: Yeah, Christ on a
1: stick. Oh, I'm lying. I am lying. I'll put down the tape measure. I only lie when I'm holding it. There you go. We're good now. No, he's got it back. He's picked it up, folks. It's back down. Sorry to cut you off there. All I was saying
2: saying is that, much like... um, Have you seen all of the Matrix movies? No, because I'm not an idiot. Yep, valid. So in the second one, I think, it's kind of explained with the Oracle. I think it must be the third one. No, it's the second one, I think. That um, kind of what Neo is, is the Matrix trying to balance itself out. It, he is the other half of an equation that's become imbalanced. So it's kind of like his power is drawn from the fact that the Matrix is a little bit broken, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of, that's what Coffee Guy is, essentially. He's like the one. He's like Neo. He's this pure humanized potential, this kind of energy being who... Can make anything happen at will, similar to Doctor Manhattan from the uh, Watchmen. That
1: actually makes of a thing. Um, excellent sense because uh, Mr. Coffee Guy himself, Tom Stoddard. Mm. Uh, you looked I, up the guy who portrays him. Yeah, I was cruising through his. Uh, I, I was cruising through his IMDb page late at night, down IMDb Boulevard, tooting my horn, flashing my lights, whoop whoop. trying to get him over the door, but he wouldn't. Uh, He's been. He's like has so many uncredited roles in all sorts of great programs. Namely, I I'm pretty confident he has like six different uncredited roles in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, all of them for different, like it's the Buscemi connection, isn't it? It's that, and it's also you know he's just.
2: Isn't that incredible? Because populating all of these worlds, we spent so long on the Steve Buscemi mystery tour, and I'd I'd hasten to add that Coffee Guy has sort of become. The version 2.0 of that experience, and they are inextricably linked through Bullwark Empire. We didn't know that going through. Well, more through
1: Coffee Guy being Neo. Yeah, isn't it crazy
2: how 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 it just all comes together? You know,
1: isn't isn't life just a crazy journey? Isn't life a, a, a wild horse, a brumby, if you will, wool standing by your bed, urinating in your mouth on a Saturday morning. Tearing around the place, freaking out the kids, freaking out the dog, eating the dog food, running out on the front porch, scaring Get, the fat postman, getting a getting a brass stuck on its antlers. That's right. This horse has antlers, <laughs> and you're watching grown ups too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what life is sometimes. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm pretty happy to fucking put a pin in this little this little morsel of information. I'd like to wish everyone uh, a really.
2: Merry Christmas. And there's something that we keep forgetting to bring up on the podcast, and that is that we um, are involved in another podcast with some very talented gentlemen It's uh, America. Yeah.
1: It's also a holiday season tradition. Yes, it is. It's a Thanksgiving tradition, and it's called Till Death Do Us Blart. It happens every American Thanksgiving from now
2: until the end of linear time. It is Guy Montgomery, myself, Tim Batt, Travis McElroy... Justin McElroy, Griffin McElroy of my brother, my brother and me, the podcast, which and you absolutely should be listening hordes to. Hordes of other podcasts as well. Um, so we get involved with those dudes on on Thanksgiving now, and we watch Paul Black, More Cop Two, and uh, we record a little uh, review of it. Yeah, and it got featured in a top ten, epi- like podcast episodes of the year for the whole world um, by Vulture. So cheers, Vulture. Thank you, Vulture. To the staff writer who's listening in right now. You can follow the... There's a Twitter at Deathblatt, but I don't know if we're much stuff on there. We should get some more stuff on there, eh?
1: Well, I mean, you know, 51 weeks of the year, it's not a super active stream. That's true. Uh, anyway, look, I would like to... Uh, and Just so you know, if one of us dies, if one of the hosts dies... Uh, then the other four remaining hosts have to find a replacement for that. Well, host. how does that work? Because my understanding is that we—it's kind of our responsibility oh, yeah. to find. Well, that's true. Actually, I've had a, a close personal friend ask it to be written into my will. Really? Why well, don't I? Can you ask to be part of the uh, Deathblat
2: Pact? No I think it's something that has to no, be bestowed is, on you. No, it is.
1: Yeah, it is. It is bestowed upon you. But uh, you know, it's like, hey, I queen, respect the can guy. I, I respect the guy who asked. He doesn't ask for much. Okay. He's sort of been saving up his favours, hoarding him. Good on him. I've got a guy in mind too who I think would be good. Look, it's not important. What's important is you have a very happy holidays. Uh, live every moment and love every day, friends. And for the love of God, do not watch this movie ever in your life. Yeah, we don't warn people enough on that because they go like, people, people say to us, they say, hey, you warned us all the time as
2: grown-ups too to not watch the movie, but what do you think about this one? Jesus Christ, I thought it went without saying.
1: I really thought it was, there was assumed once, by this point There was in time. once when I wanted you guys to watch it. Yeah, and I
2: retracted it in the very next episode. I, yeah. So I couldn't make this more... Oh, hey, that's another thing. Fuck it. I'll tag this on the end as well while we're here. Um, to the fucking troopers <laughs> who are still running the TWIOAT subreddit, I love you crazy assholes and I'm delighted that you exist. I drop in there every now and then, and it's just, it's great.
1: (laughs) What is it? Is it just
2: tumbleweed? No, they've like, periodically it'll go a bit quiet and dry for a bit, and then they'll pick up another convo. But there's it's essentially four people talking to themselves online on Reddit, and I just fucking love that it exists. (laughs) So good on you guys thank you very much and thank you very much to big pipe this episode sponsor um if you're in new zealand uh either get it yourself or convince a mate to do it go to bigpipe.co.nz and use the code worst and they'll give us some money for that and you get a month's free internet more importantly so bellas, to you i say ciao it's
1: the worst idea of all time it's the worst idea of all time Worst idea of all time